You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. My goal <laughs> as resident director has been to break open those doors to invite everybody to the party, essentially, because I'm like, this space is great. This stage is huge and we should have access to it and we should be inside of it and we should be in that party, please. Come on, this is New York City. Welcome to the Black Business of Broadway, a podcast brought to you by the Broadway League and Black to Broadway. Here, we highlight the stories, how-tos, and successes of the Black professionals and legends of Broadway. I'm your host, Janine Scott. I am thrilled to be chatting today with Liliana Blaine Cruz, who is the resident director at Lincoln Center Theater. She is making her Broadway debut in directing Thornton Wilder's The Skin of Our Teeth. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Of course. It's it's a total no-brainer. <laughs> I mean, really, let's be honest. There are not very many uh, women of color who are directing let alone uh, Black women uh, directors. But we get, we'll we get into that. I promise we'll get into that. Um, but before I jump into um, the skin of our teeth and all that you have done with that family uh, and how timely uh, those changes are, I want to talk about you. I want to talk about your journey and how you got to where you are today. Amazing. Where should I start? <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay. So, I mean, I, I guess I can give like the, the run, the rundown of how I ended up as a director. I grew up in, in New York city in Queens. Um, but I moved around a lot as a kid and I lived in New York and I lived in Miami and North Carolina for a short stint. And then, and then back in New York and I went to school at Princeton and it was at Princeton. I was an English major and I didn't really know what that meant. I just knew that I loved books and I happened to fall into, um, theater. And somehow I realized like, oh, this is a marriage of all of the art forms that I love. And the first play that I directed, which is moving to me because it's happening now, was for colored girls who have considered suicide when the rainbow is enough. And so the fact that it's happening now at this moment in my career, it, it feels very, um, it's very moving because you, you, you can see a journal, journey, you can see a cycle, you can see what inspired you to do theater in the first place. Like that play was my invitation and a recognition of myself and knowing that I could exist in that space, particularly because I was very new to theater. I didn't really know what theater was. I was like, oh, this is interesting. Oh, is this, is this a job? Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so I went down to arena stage and that's where I had um, 
my NDC and I had my brutal awakening of how <laughs> there's no there's no money when you first start out. And that was that was tricky. That was really hard. But I, I knew that I um, I really wanted to um, I knew that I wanted to kind of work in this medium. And I and I had a wonderful mentor while I was there, Paulette Randall, who actually is a is a wonderful black director based in London. And her joy and enthusiasm and welcoming me into the process, um, again, encouraged my dedication to the field. Um, I came back up to New York and I realized, oh, I don't have networks. I don't have an income. I need to work to survive. Like there is, how are people making stuff who have no chance? You, you, go, through mm-hmm. that, you go through that catch 22 of everybody's like, cool, show us your work. And if you don't have time or space or money or friends to make work, then how do you do it? And so the the way that came to me was actually to go to grad school. One, because I needed time, space, resources. And two, I needed a foundation in the actual making of theater in a, in a real way. And so I went to what was then called the Yale School of Drama. Um, and I saw amazing, again, there were, there were amazing women um, before me. Charlotte Braithwaite is, a, is an amazing um, experimental theater director, and, and she was in the class before me. And through um, working at Yale, I was able to build um, a repertoire of work that then led to connections to other institutions, um, such as Yale Rep and Oregon Shakespeare Festival that then brought me back to um, New York, where I worked at um, New York Theater Workshop as a 2050 fellow, and then at Lincoln Center in the Lincoln Center Directors Lab. And so that's kind of like my, my long journey from, you know, what is theater to, to, to actually starting to make a career in it. Yeah. You know, can you, do you mind backing up just a little, and you talked about uh, having a mentor and how, can you talk about the role that, that mentors have played maybe in your, in your life? Yeah. I mean, when I, when I, did that fellowship, I really didn't know what it meant to make theater. Like, for example, they have technical rehearsals. I didn't know what that was. You know, as, a, as an mm-hmm. undergrad, you know what it means to kind of be working late in the theater. But professionally, your day ends at like 11 p.m. at night, right? And the trains stop in D.C., unlike New York. And so I was like, oh, it's time, it's time for me to go home, right? Because my train ends and nobody needs me here, right? <laughs> I almost got fired. I almost got fired because I didn't know I was supposed to stay for the production meeting. But that was that was my job. Um, so having a mentor is somebody who can who has no problem answering all of your questions, who is open about... Um, what it means to actually live and work in the field, somebody who encourages your questions, encourages your creativity, somebody who shows you a path of what does it mean to be in charge. And what I loved about Paulette is that her mode of operation was one of like huge generosity. Like she was just so generous to everybody. And I had had some experiences in that process where people were not generous, where people thought that they had to, I mean, be tough, be hard. You know what I mean? As the mm-hmm. example of trauma they had been through. And she was somebody who was like, oh, we can have a good time. This is why we, this is why we're doing the theater because there's joy inside of that. And she, um, she provided a, a a welcoming space for us. We were doing Gem of the Ocean at the time, and so it was just a wonderful company um, of actors. Pascal Armand was was um, in the company, and she was wonderful. and And so it it for me having a, a powerful mentor was an example of um, 
ways in which it's possible to lead the room with kindness. And yes. I carry that with me, you know. I love that. Yeah. I love that. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So in looking at, you know, you are now the resident director uh, there at Lincoln Center Theater. What is what does that role entail? What is that exactly? Yeah, I mean, a resident director, there are very few positions like that in reality. And Lincoln Center as an institution carries a particular kind of um, weight in that you think of New York, there aren't that many plazas, there aren't that many actual locations in which art is centralized in that way with the Metropolitan Opera, with the with the Philharmonic, with um, Lincoln Center Theater, with the ballet. And so to kind of be able to occupy a space like that, as a resident director, I get to direct one play a year in that theater. Um, and that kind of guarantee of consistency is also unique as an artist in New York. I've worked freelance what feels like forever. And so to have that base um, mm -hmm. is tremendous. And so I feel also a tremendous like responsibility. And so my, my goal <laughs> as resident director has been to break open those doors to invite everybody yes. to the party, essentially, because I'm like, this space is great. This stage is huge. Yes. And we should have access to it. And we should be inside of it. And we should be in that party, please. Come on, this is New York City. Not only that, but Lincoln Center Theater, you know, cut down a lot of houses and a lot of homes when it was first built, you know, of the constituents of New York City, Black and Brown and Puerto Rican folks up there. And so for me, it's been really exciting to be like, okay, this, we can reclaim this space. We can reclaim um, this, you know, this massive plaza as, a, as an art space for us as well. Yes, I love it. And so you are. So you chose the skin of our teeth, <laughs> a, a family um, that uh, that follows the every family uh, through its great struggles and triumphs of the human experience. I mean, this family goes through wars, plagues, floods, food famine, and you and then you put it on the bodies of black folks that. I, 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 that, um, without like necessarily hitting people over the head, it's like you walk in and you're just like, oh my gosh. And it reads so much differently. Can you talk to the audience about the, the how and the why, how were you able to get that done? And, and why was that important to you? I mean, I have all kinds of, I mean, I can go there with all kinds, like with Savina and how she starts to play, but I want you to talk about how and why you chose to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I want to hear your thoughts too, but um, <laughs> uh, 
you know, it, it felt we've been through so much, just everybody over the course of this pandemic. And I was looking for a play that was going to be like, that was going to be able to embrace the fact that we've all experienced what felt like the end of the world. Literally. I don't know if you were in New York, I remember the silence and then all of a sudden helicopters and feeling like I was occupied because we were protesting. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is crazy. Um, and that, and then people dying. We were literally experienced what descriptions of plague were. Mm -hmm. People mm -hmm. passing trucks for people passing and there was no room in hospitals. Like the trauma of that is still present within our bodies. And we are, we, we speak as though we're able to kind of just move through that to get into the routine. But I'm sorry, that lives inside of us. That is inside of our DNA. And then on top of that, we realize that like, oh, we as humans, and then particularly as Black folks have experienced that through the, almost the entirety of history. And so when I was thinking about who is going to occupy this every man, who is going to occupy the space of people who have survived. Yes. People yes. who have survived and not only survived, but invented, created culture, like thrived, made music. You know what I mean? Like, yes. who is the testament to human possibility? It is black folks, you know? And like the, the, the enorm, the enormity and infinity of our existence for me felt like it could bring new life and new understanding and new testament to the to the miracle of survival on a stage like the Beaumont. And so that was that was where the the impulse and the desire came from. Not only just to kind of break open the doors of Lincoln Center Theater, but to reactivate like the fact that human beings continue to persist, you know, yeah. and at the same time can like push up against and question, <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Who allowed to exist in that space before? Like I, for me, it's funny, like you mentioned Sabina, like I love that Sabina breaks open the play. It's like, I hate this play. Yes. I hate this, <laughs> I hate this play every word in it. What does it mean? What are we talking about? What are we actually saying? That is incredible to me because then, because then we're in dialogue, not only about our experience of survival, but our experience of like, what does it mean to make theater and why are we making theater and who is it for? And how do we, you know, how do we wrestle with all of these, these questions? Well, and not only that though, it, it, when she, when she said that, I was like, at first I was like, what is this? What am I, what, it, what is going on here? You know? And then afterwards, you know, after, after, after the third act and I'm in my car and I'm processing and I'm just like, there are times as, as especially given the dual pandemics, and then you talk about the, the, uh, the insurrection that occurred. And I think about, and just how it was like, not that I hate, you know, not that I hate it here, but just that black fatigue and that always having to reinvent and always having to wake up. And because it's just like you, you experience this catastrophe in this play, you experience this catastrophe and then you have to, you know, and then at the end, Sabina, she's dusting like nothing. It's like, here we go again. And it's like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, is this not life? Is yeah. this not life being reflected? And isn't that what art is? Mm -hmm. And it's, and it's about it not being so 
bolded in your face that it's like, oh, okay, this and this. It's where you actually start to process. And it gives the audience, this is my take, I'm sorry. It gives the audience um, members like myself an opportunity to just sit there and 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 wonder and and have to actually unpack. And to the fact that the, the family, it's it's a black family, that every family is a black family. And for people to recognize that we are we are human. <laughs> and I mean, like that in itself, but not only that we are human, but we we've experienced and we experienced these exact same things that many of you experience. But then again, to have it to to be on these black bodies. And there is a line where she talks about uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Antipas being, you know, tensing up. Mm-hmm with the police and wondering if he's going to make it home. Mm-hmm. And I know that that that's original, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. And so it's like, look, it, it's the same, but, but it reads differently on our bodies. Yep. And so I, I so appreciated that. Mm-hmm. So I appreciated that so much. And I, I am grateful and thankful that you picked this that you pick this play mm-hmm. to to put on to put on these to put on this stage. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll stop talking. <laughs> oh, no, it makes me so happy because these are the things that I've I was hoping that people would would pick up, which is essentially to say yes, our existence is central and it can you know what I mean hold everyone. It is it is possible and capable of being seen as as fundamentally human, you know, and you talk yes. about act three, which it, it, it's the one that, that, that hit me the hardest when I was choosing because Mr. Antrobus says this line, um, I have never forgotten that living is a struggle, you know, mm. just like the exist, the act of existing is so hard. And yet we have to, we have to, we have to keep going. And then Sabina's line, the world is an awful, awful place. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> the fundamental truths of that, you know, like the, the, the reality of, of how hard it can be, the reality of continuing to move forward, the feeling of, I think Mr. Andrew says, I, I lost it. I lost it. I lost the desire to go on. And I was like, oh, I don't know who didn't feel that after, after seeing cycles of the same stuff over and over and over again, within our own lifetimes to be like, do we have to go through this again? Mm-hmm. Again? Really? We didn't learn. And, and yet, and yet we pick up and start again. And it's, and it's, yeah, that was really moving to me. So to hear that reflected is, um, is exciting. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it was. And then how we're bringing out the books mm-hmm. and it's and it, at the end and we're, we're he's, he's looking, we're, we're bringing out these books and the knowledge and, you know, to me, I was just like, it's it's history and we're not in history repeating itself over and over again in different ways because have we really learned? Yeah. And that that's kind of how I walked away feeling. And I, and it made me like, have we have we really learned? Mm-hmm. I mean, it it, it 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 we really are repeating the same things in different ways. And you know, I know that this story, it, it, it takes place over 5,000 years, <laughs> but some things are still the same. Yeah. And, yeah. And, yeah. and I look at this and I look at our history and, and some things are still the same. Um, 
So I, I want to know, what are you looking forward to, you know, af- after mm-hmm. this, not mm-hmm. that we want this to end, but after this, after this uh, residency, you know, what is, what do you see next? What do you see for, for the future? Mm. You know, it's, um, it's, it's an interesting question because uh, you work, um, <laughs> you work so hard inside of a piece for so long, you know what I mean? And, and so like you realize, oh, wow, theater is so fleeting. It's only going to last until the 29th. And then this whole world, this whole universe that we've created will, will disappear. And, um, and that relates to me to, to the question of, of the artist and the, the question of what does it mean to make um, I'm working on this piece right now called Dreaming Zenzile, and it's about the South African singer, um, Miriam Makeba. And part of the journey of this is this woman who's been singing her whole life and has been, you know, a huge activist against apartheid. She doesn't, she, this is her, like, this is kind of essentially, without giving too much away, like the, the, the last concert before she dies. But she's not willing to go because she's aware that the fight still continues, right? Like, literally, the like, they're not ready. We're still doing the same stuff. You know what I mean? Like, we have to fight. I have to keep singing. You know, like, the, I have to keep, I have to keep moving forward so that the same things don't happen. I'm just like, I'm, I'm discovering this in the moment that this this is part of the zeitgeist, right? That in the midst of all of these obstacles, like she was exiled from her home for most of her life, you know, like not even able to go home to her mom's funeral. And yet she persisted in singing, persisted in like speaking, you know, truth to power, you know, in front of the UN. And I'm like, right, like that's, that's part of the journey forward. It's in some ways I'm excited about finding new mediums to express this idea of our, search for justice, our search for mm-hmm. justice, our search for um, love um, and ways in which we can kind of open up our, our, our collective hearts to kind of work towards at least changing a little bit, you know, like yeah. we're, there is so much stuff happening right now, <laughs> you know, that like if, if we get, if we get tired and it's so understandable, like you said, you talked about that fatigue, you talked about that exhaustion, which is so real, but then there's the testament to these leaders, um, like Miriam McCabe, you know, like all of these folks who even in the midst of that exhaustion picked up and kept going. And so that, that for me is inspiring to think about stories and ways of folks who have managed to persist, um, despite the overwhelming exhaustion. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So we like to wrap each podcast Mm -hmm. and we ask our guests to, if they could give advice to the future Black leaders of Broadway, Mm -hmm. what would that be? Okay, I have so much advice. (laughs) (laughs) One, it is possible to be kind. There is enough space. You are unique simply from the fact that no one like you exists. And I think sometimes we feel this pressure as though we have to be in competition with each other, as though if I exist, you can't exist. No, there can be more than one or two or three or five of us in a room. And actually, if we celebrate each other and meet each other with love, that is exciting because then you have a foundational base of friends growing up together. And that is beautiful and less lonely and will change the field. So keep going. Say yes to yourself. Trust 
and the expansiveness of your imagination. Be excited about things maybe you haven't seen. Build the theater that you want to see. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) I I love it. And I thank you. I thank you. I thank you again for taking time out of your busy schedule uh, to, to chat with us. Thank you. Thank you so much. I want to thank our guest and you, our listeners. You could have been doing anything else, but you chose to spend your time with me and I am grateful. Be sure to subscribe at bpn.fm slash bbb so you'll never miss an episode. While you're at it, tell a friend. I'm your host, Janine Scott, and we at the Broadway League hope you enjoyed this episode of the Black Business of Broadway. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.